Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be your host today. If this is your first time listening, I would love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. This January, we've been talking about who we are, what kind of church Capital City Christian Church is. We're resetting our vision for 2020. And today we'll wrap up this 2020 vision series with a message about what a Christian church is. Some people say that they go to a Baptist church or a Pentecostal church and so on and so on. But we're just a Christian church. And what does that actually mean? Let's find out with our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. This month we've been kind of, I don't know if that was me or not, um, we've been kind of going back and just kind of remembering who we are as a church. Occasionally you just have to remind yourself what kind of church this is and what we're trying to build here. Got to remember why we're here. It's really important. This is the last one in that series. Now, guys, I am rarely on the social media, but I was quite curious when someone told me that a Rick Warren quote had been viral for some time. It still is kind of viral, both negatively and positively. So I punched in a search string, Rick Warren, conviction, compassion. And the first hit I got gave me his quote. It's right here. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. It's not on, it's up on the main screens. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear them or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both, he says, are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. And I thought that was pretty good. Truth and grace, right? And then I looked at the next three hits. (laughs) Hit number two. Oh, shut up, Rick Warren. And I mean that very compassionately. Hit number three. Rick Warren's and American evangelicalisms, which means us, are a huge lie. Hit number four, calling BS on Rick Warren's quote. Kind of sounds like you poked a hornet's nest, doesn't it? In part, because we're living in a culture that is becoming more and more and more polarized, and they're loving it. Wouldn't you agree? And it's kind of like, if you don't think like me, you can't sit by me. So, outside these walls, we vilify and exclude and mock and condemn each other when we disagree. And here's the deal. Inside these walls, if the church is doing its job, the more polarized it gets out there, the weirder it is going to look in here. And it's getting really bad out there, isn't it? Republican versus Democrat, we're practically at war. It's almost like they consider it evil to agree with anything. Are you guys following the impeachment stuff in D.C.? How about the LGBTQ issues? That's the polarization that was driving the attacks on Rick Warren. It's one of the polarizations that has driven so much antipathy towards the church and even inside the church. How about Second Amendment fights? They're all around us, aren't they? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. What does that include? Assault weapons, so-called? High-capacity magazines? Did you guys follow the the Second Amendment rally last week in Richmond, Virginia? Or have you read about the more than 100 Second Amendment sanctuary cities there are in Virginia? You think this stuff is going to get hotter before it cools off? 
Speaking of sanctuary cities, how about all of the polarization over illegals? Cities, counties, states, all over our country that simply refuse to cooperate with the feds and the feds are trying to figure out ways to cut off their funding. And I thought we'd made progress on our historical polarization over race. Seems like that's heated up again. How awful is that? as has our polarization over a whole spate of what are framed as women's issues, including abortion, as if abortion is a women's issue. We fight over education, public schools, charter schools, private schools, home schools, school choice. That fight's going on right here in Frankfurt, isn't it? Well, actually, all these fights are going on here in Frankfurt. Polarized over climate change, environmental policies, do you guys follow the fight they tried to stir up between Trump and Greta Thunberg last week in Davos? And if those fights don't fire you up, you can always find someone to fight about with over iPhones versus Androids or PCs versus Mac or Kentucky versus Louisville versus Duke or whoever. Here's the deal, guys. What we disagree about seems to be becoming way more important than what we agree on, right? To so many. And so it's kind of like if you don't think like me, you can't sit by me. And we exclude and vilify and mock and condemn each other. Maybe, however, maybe Warren was right. I'm going to tweak the wording just a little bit. Our culture has accepted two big lies. We think they're lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone, you must fear them or you must hate them. That's a lie. Second is that to love someone means that you have to agree with everything they believe or do. It's a lie too. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. Maybe it is possible to pursue both truth and grace like Jesus did, right? And in light of all of the polarization that's taking place out there, if the church is going to be doing its job, we are going to take hits. Because the worse it looks out there, the weirder it is going to look in here. We have used this descriptor before. I love it. Kind of fits the kind of church we want to be. I'm going to read it to you again. You ready? Here it is. We welcome those who are single, married, divorced, gay, filthy rich, black and proud, ino habla inglés. We welcome those who are newborns, poor as dirt, or skinny as a rail. We welcome you here if you're just browsing, just woke up, or just got out of jail. We don't care if you're more Catholic than the Pope or you haven't been in church since your baby's dedication. We welcome those who could lose a few pounds, thank God, who think the earth is flat, worked too hard, can't spell, or came because grandma's in town and wanted to go to church. We welcome those who could use a prayer right now are three times divorced, had religion shoved down your throat as a kid, or maybe you just got lost in traffic and wound up here by mistake. We welcome those who are in recovery, those who are still addicted. We welcome you if you blew all your offering money at Keeneland. You're still welcome here. We welcome tourists, seekers, doubters, bleeding hearts. So we welcome you. Welcome home. Maybe we should add this. We welcome Republicans and Democrats and those who despise the both of them. We welcome those of you who are struggling with a plethora of sexual issues. 
We welcome those with an arsenal in their basement and those who think you're crazy. We welcome those who want stronger borders and those who think the word illegal is a dirty word. We welcome Black Lives Matter shirts, Blue Lives Matter shirts, and All Lives Matter shirts. We welcome those who are obsessed with recycling and conservation and those who don't give a rip. Listen, guys, they're all in the room. They're all around you right now. You're sitting by them. Maybe this morning you hugged one of them, shook one of their hands, sang praises to God with them, probably stood in line with them to share the Lord's Supper together. That's weird, isn't it? Church has always been weird like that. And to be perfectly honest, most people out there think the church just adds to all of this polarization. Sometimes we do. How awful is that? I mean, according to churchfinder.com, there are over 80 churches with a Frankfurt address. 80 churches. According to areaconnect.com, the number's closer to 90. Christian churches, Churches of Christ, Disciples of Christ, Presbyterian churches, Lutheran, Methodist Episcopal, African Methodist Episcopal, Christian Missionary Alliance, Assembly of God, Roman Catholic, Seventh-day Adventist, and a jillion different kinds of Baptist churches, right? Sometimes working together, cool. Sometimes totally isolated. Sometimes working against each other. So many different kinds. I mean, what are the differences in Couldn't what we have in common be more powerful than what separates us? Or does what separates us cancel out what we have in common? And then for some reason you wander into Capital City Christian. And some of you guys have come here, like Robert, from other Christian churches, right? And you're thinking, this place is kind of weird for a Christian church. Some of you guys from one of the other kinds of churches. And for a lot of you, this place is really weird compared to the churches you came from. Some of you guys came from no church background at all, and you're wondering, are all churches this weird? And I suppose in their own way, they are. But we do do some things a little differently here at Capital City. We're not trying to be different. It looks that way to some people, but we're really not. We're just trying to stay on mission. I sit up here on a stool with an iPad in front of me. That's kind of weird. Khakis and just a shirt. Not tucked in because I'm too chubby, right? All around this room are these little tables. When you came in here, they had these little tiny crackers and little cups, little tiny cups with a little bit of juice in them. And every week we line up together and stand in these lines for a, a meal, right? How weird is that? And we've got a big tub over there on stage. Periodically, we dunk people who want to be Jesus followers. <laughs> What's with that, right? It's odd. And what makes it worse, if you've got a church background, it's usually not one of us clergy guys doing it. We have a parent or a friend or a neighbor baptizing each other. It's kind of weird. Our music is a little loud for those of you who grew up on real church music, right? We've got these lights and this fog machine because we think we're trying to immerse you in some kind of a multi-sensory worship experience. But they certainly didn't do it this way back in your grandma's church. We avoid churchy words as much as we can. Occasionally we slip up. That's different. We use different Bible translations, usually when they don't sound too churchy. We have a group of men, just just guys, who 
to serve as the elders of this church family, which is kind of offensive to some people out there and even to some people in here. Do you know that none of this stuff, none of it is an accident? Then you look around the room and you look at this church family and what a weird bunch. Where else would you find such an odd collection of misfits clinging to each other, kind of like it's a family? But we're not family biologically. Spiritually, people in this spiritual family who disagree with each other on most every single issue polarizing our culture outside these walls. Politics, gay rights, women's issues, abortion, public schools, climate change, immigration, racial issues. And here it is, guys. It's not that these issues don't matter to us. It's that there's something that matters to us infinitely more. Did you know that we even have bacon haters in this church? Did you know that my wife, my wife, hates the smell of bacon cooking? And we've been married for 45 years, still. And all of us in this room, bound together by something that we think is way bigger, way bigger than any of the issues that are separating us out there. Do you? And what's really strange to people who grow up in church is people in this room have all these theological differences that sometimes tear Christians apart. Most of these theological debates don't mean a flip to people outside these walls, but churches split over this stuff. There are six-day creationists in this room, people who started out, just thought all this started about 6,000 years ago snap of God's fingers and there are those who think all of this started with a big bang billions of years ago. There are those in this room who hold to verbal plenary inspiration leading to an infallible inerrant Bible at least with respect to the original autographs. And there are people in this room who don't have a clue what I just said, right? We have premillennialists, amillennialists, postmillennialists, panmillennialists. You try saying that hard three times. And there are others who are kind of like, huh? Calvinists in this room who think God has already predetermined which one of you guys is going to heaven and which one of you guys is going to hell. Others in this room, like me, who kind of find that idea reprehensible. We have people in this room who speak in tongues, and other people in this room who think you're weird. People who insist that you're not saved until the moment you are baptized and come up out of that water and others who can't figure out what a bath has to do with being saved at all. We're bound together. We're bound together by something we think is way bigger, way bigger than the issues that often tear Christians apart. See, guys, all of this is intentional. It's by design. You know why? It's not because any of these polarizing issues is unimportant. It's because we believe that there is something way, way, way more important. And because we believe that's this is what God meant for the church to look like. A weird family. Because I'll bet your biological family looks something like this, full of weird people, isn't it? See, God meant it that way from the beginning. This is God's dream for the church. I'm going to show you two weird verses. They're weird back then. They're still weird now. 
Apostle Paul says, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, there's no longer slave or free, there's no longer male or female, you're all one in Christ Jesus. Guys, I'm telling you, those are the kind of polarizations that made people go to war back then. Not in God's church. Message puts it like this, in Christ's family, there can be no division. There can be no division, Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female, because among us, you are all equal, all of you. You know how? Through a common relationship with Jesus Christ. See, God thinks our common allegiance to Jesus is bigger than what separates us. In another place, the Apostle Paul put it like this. He says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. All of that stuff mattered a whole lot in Paul's world, but not in the church. And he says, Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Do you buy that? You buy it enough to try to live it out? Because that's what we're about. Capital City is a Christian church, okay? Here's what that means. About 200 years ago, some guys on the American frontier started starting some Christian churches. They came out of all different kinds of churches. There were Methodists, Presbyterians, Baptists, Episcopals, and they were kind of like, do we have to be Methodists, Presbyterians, Baptists, Episcopalians? Is it possible just to be Christian? Now, they weren't trying to diss the other churches. Absolutely not. They were just thinking for us, what if we just try to be just Christian? Isn't there something that unites us that is way bigger than the things that are separating us? Why don't we just call ourselves Christians, kind of like they did back in Bible times? Well, guys, we're part of that tradition. We're part of that movement. We're trying to be that kind of a church Here's what it means to be a Christian church. Number one, it means this is Christ's church. We're a Christian church, a church of Christ. We belong to Christ. It's his church. The Bible says Christ is the head of the church. It's his body, which means he's the boss of this place. We have no authority to change the message. We have no authority to alter how he tells us to do business. We have no authority to change the membership requirements. We have no authority to modify his mission for us. It's his church. This is not a democracy. This is not my church to try to shape into whatever I want the church to be. It's not the elders' church to shape it into what they want the church to be. It's a Christian church, a church of Christ, Christ Christ-centered, Christ-owned. And that means a lot. It affects all kinds of things. It makes a difference in how we worship. Worship isn't about me. Worship isn't about you. It's about honoring him. Makes a difference in what we preach. There are people out there who think that what I preach here is pretty narrow. You're going to hear me say things like, you can't choose your own path to God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And since this is a Christian church, we buy it. That's what we believe too. We hold firmly to that makes a difference in how we choose to conduct our business. Capital City Christian Church will not be ruled by our traditions and our past. We will not be ruled by the preferences of a few. We won't be ruled by the preferences of the many. It's his church, his agenda, his mission, his purposes. You buy that? 
We're a Christian church, number two. We are a New Testament church. A New Testament church. The New Testament is more than an interesting book to us. It's his house built on the principles and the guidelines that he gave to us in his new covenant, his new testament. That means we won't teach contrary to the new covenant, the new testament. We won't do church in a way that violates the principles of our covenant with God that he gave us. It's the guidebook for what we preach and teach. It's the guidebook for how we govern ourselves. Listen, guys, if our bylaws happen to contradict the New Testament, we won't follow the bylaws. We'll follow the New Testament. We're a New Testament church. We're a Christian church. We're a New Testament church. Because we're a New Testament church, this is one of the things that we've tried doing with more or less success. We try to be a restoration, a restoration church. Here's what that means. It means that as much as possible, we try to follow the patterns of the New Testament. I'll show you what that means. We don't have a denominational headquarters because they didn't have a denominational headquarters in the New Testament. You're either a Christian or you weren't. We don't have a district superintendent or a regional minister or a bishop or a pope somewhere who tells us what to do. Not that any of that's bad. I'm not saying that at all. It's just that they didn't do it that way in the New Testament, so we don't do it. We're governed by a group of elders that you select, guys who are supposed to be responsive to his leading, right? Ultimately, they don't answer to anybody except God. You know why we do it that way? Because that seems to be the way they did it in the New Testament. We used to have guys and ladies that we called deacons because you read about deacons in the New Testament. The problem was that the deacons here didn't do deaconing the way they deaconed in the New Testament. Deaconing isn't about going to board meetings and voting. It's about serving. It's about doing ministry. That's all deacon means is a servant or a minister. Deacons are ministers. So we do have deacons here. We call them ministers. Steve is our worship minister, our worship deacon. Vern is our connections minister, our connections deacon. James is our growth deacon. Ben and Lisa and Jess are next-gen deacon ministers. Tater is our communications deacon minister. Because in the New Testament times, deacon just meant minister. People who oversaw ministry. We've got them. And because we're a restoration church, we, we do this every week. We put these tables up here around the room because that's the way they did it in the New Testament. Celebrate the Lord's Supper, every worship service. A lot of churches don't, and I'm not about to say that they're doing it wrong. Of course not. Not accusing them of doing something that's unacceptable to our God. But in the New Testament, they seem to have done it every week, so we do it every week. Every week, the Lord's Supper brings our focus back to first things. It's about a God who bled for us. God who died for us, a God who rode for us, and a God who tells us to feed on his grace. So we do that every week, a special mystical meal with our God, because that's the way they did it back then. And because we're a restoration church, we plunk people. We immerse them. We want to be Jesus followers. We don't baptize babies. We don't sprinkle, because we don't think that's the way they did it in the New Testament. They baptized believers by immersion plunking them under the water, symbolizing the cleansing of the whole person. 
plunking them under the water, symbolizing that you're burying them and then raising them to a brand new life with God. So since that seems to be the way they did it, it's the way we do it. Make sense? A Christian church. We're a New Testament church. We're a restoration church. And we are a church that is passionate about Christian unity. Bringing people together over the things that matter way more than the things that separate us. We want to be a weird place that binds people together around Jesus Christ. We hate the fact that so many churches spend more time and energy fighting each other than our real enemy. We hate the fact that so many Christians inside churches spend more time wrangling with each other than working together to do what God has called us to do. Because, guys, the divisiveness of the church leads to the spiritual impotence of the church. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you individually? He did. Jesus prayed for you. And what he prayed for is this. He says, I am praying not only for the disciples who are in front of me, but I'm also praying for anybody who's ever going to believe in me because of their testimony. That's us. It means Jesus prayed for you and he prayed for me. And here's what he said. My prayer for all of them, my prayer for you guys, Jesus said, is that they will be one. I pray that they will be one, just like you and I, Father, are one. So guys, when the spats of Christians tear apart the church, someone is sinning against God. And here's why Jesus prayed that. Jesus says, I pray that they will be one so that the world will believe, so the world will believe that you sent me. Because listen, guys, when we spend our energy fighting each other, listen, when we spend our energy fighting each other, our world goes to hell. So we're a unity movement. But it's not unity at any cost. There's a fifth and last piece. We believe, and this is one of our slogans that we have used for a long time, in essentials, in essentials, there has to be unity. In non-essentials, there's got to be liberty. And in everything, you guys have got to love each other. You see, a God-honoring unity isn't built by pretending that it doesn't matter what you believe or what you do. Just all get along. There are essentials that we will not budge on here at Capital City. Real unity comes by people together bending their knees to Jesus. That's the core. That's the non-negotiable. We surrender together to Jesus. In the non-essentials, give each other a break. You don't have to be like me to be a Christian, thank God. You don't have to dress like me, vote like me, think like me to be a Christian. You don't have to like what I like, listen to what I like to listen to, do what I do to be a Christian. But together, we both have to bend our knees to Jesus as our Savior and Lord. In the non-essentials, we're free. And in everything, everything, we love passionately, powerfully, and unconditionally. That's what we want to be. Christian church, Church of Christ, a New Testament church, a restoration church, church that is passionate about unity, but never at the expense of God's truth. You like that? Would you like to be part of a church like that? You guys remember our why? <laughs> we just sang about it. Here it is. We believe there's a God. We really do. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, 
He is. So we believe you need Jesus for now and forever. We believe your kids need Jesus and your grandkids need Jesus. Your friends need Jesus. We believe our world needs Jesus. Guys, that's our why. That was three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I talked about the first part of our mission from God. First and most important of our part of our mission from God is to bring people face-to-face with Jesus because you need them, right? That's the first important part of our mission. So we have five convictions. Here they are. All people need Jesus. Number two, God wants every single person saved. No exceptions. Number three, God commands every single one of us to share Jesus. Part of what he's given us to do. Number four, our reaching them is more important than our serving you. Which means that we will do anything short of sin to bring people face to face with Jesus. That was two weeks ago. Last week was about the second part of our mission. Because after bringing them face to face with Jesus, our job is to drag each other to heaven. You know why that's hard sometimes? Because every single one of us is prone to drift. But we have a strategy here at Capital City to drag each other to heaven. It's out on the wall in our foyer. You make worship a regular part of your life. You connect seriously with a few other Jesus followers beyond what you can do here on Sunday mornings. We're stronger together than apart. We keep trying to grow in our understanding of God and our intimacy with Him because you're never standing still. You're either growing towards Him or you're drifting away from Him. And we serve We find a way to live for someone bigger than ourselves, someone worth dying for. We believe perseverance takes all four. And we think when you engage in all four, you're not just persevering yourself towards heaven. That's how you drag the people you love along with you towards heaven. It's not just about me, guys. That was last week. And then today, what does it mean to be part of a Christian church, a church of Christ, a New Testament church, a restoration church, a church that tries to bring Christians together and is weirdly committed to both 100% truth and 100% grace, just like Jesus was. So this is a weird place. It's crazy to think that in this place, I mean, this morning I was right over there, and we've got a 49ers fan sitting right behind a Chiefs fan, right? They went to the Lord's table right next to each other. How weird is that? We can do that kind of stuff because we love Jesus more. Crazy to think that here Republicans baptize Democrats not to change their political views but because there's something way bigger than that, infinitely bigger. It's crazy to think. Let's pull the lights up just a little tiny bit. If you look around this room, you're going to see Hatfields and McCoys Praising God together. They go by different names, but they're in the room, guys. Is this kind of, I meant full lights, not, not on me, I don't care. I don't want them to see me. Pull up the worship stations or something if you don't mind. Is this kind of a church interesting to you? Is it worth a shot? You don't have to buy it all to be a part of us. You're welcome to dip your toe in the water for a time. You don't have to believe everything we believe. You don't have to clean up your act before you, you're welcome to do life with us here, to explore God with us here. We're glad you're here. Most of us are glad you're here. God certainly is. How many of you like what we're trying to do here? Do you like it? By the way, if you do like what we're trying to do, you might want to 
go look for one of those decals that we put on our windows, Capital City Christian Church. But here's the deal. If you put one of those decals in your window, you've got to try to behave when you're driving, right? If you don't intend to behave, go find a decal from one of the other churches and put it in your window. Do you want to be a part of a church like You want to help us build a church like this? Maybe you're not part of a church. Do you need to join a church like this? You don't have to join this church to engage God with us. You don't have to do that. But sometimes joining is important. It gives you a commitment to us, and it gives us a different commitment to you. Maybe some of you guys need to make this your home. At the end of this service, I'm going to dismiss you all in just a minute. But some of you guys may still have work to do before you leave this room. Some of you guys may not be Jesus followers yet, and that's where it starts, guys. That's where real life, eternal life starts, making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And if you're not a Jesus follower, hang here, if you would, please. Come, come down here after the service. Our elders are going to be around. Our staff's going to be around. We'd love to talk to you. We really would. Maybe some of you guys have been drifting and you need a church home. It's too easy to drift. At some point, you've got to make a church a home. You've got to have a church family, people who care for you, know your name, do life with you. We drag each other to heaven, guys. And if you need a church home and you want this to be your home, hang for a minute. And if you don't, can't hang for some reason, you, you can't talk to us now or maybe nervous about doing that, there's a card in the chair in front of you. It's blue on the top, a decision card. If you put your name down and a piece of contact information, we'll contact you and we'll talk about making Jesus the Lord of your life or capital city your home. And guys, some of you guys just need to connect right after this. Vern is going to be upstairs in the loft. There's signs if you know where that is or ask one of us, we'll tell you how to get there. And it's our life group connect. This is so big. We believe that you really take a step forward in the faith when you start connecting seriously with other Jesus followers. So right after this service, don't worry about lunch. He'll have food for you. He'll feed you. And he'll talk to you about how to get connected, perhaps into one of our life groups here at Capital City. Why don't you pray with me, please? Father, for the church, we give you our thanks. For this church family, we're just so grateful. And we do want to serve you. We want this to be a God-honoring place. We love you dearly, and you deserve everything we can give you. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Go stand tall for God, guys.